You're listening to the Central City Assembly Podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for him. We pray this episode blesses you, impacts you, and fills you with kingdom purpose. All right, church family. Um, I don't know if you know this, but there are two kinds of people in this world. Which are you? I'll, I'll describe. All right, those cautious and conservatives who like to pack their bags like a few days before they actually travel, like maybe even a week if they wanted to. Um, and then those wild thrill seekers who like to pack the night before um, or even the day of travel. All right, which are you? Go ahead, talk amongst yourselves, share. Which one are you? Those joining us online, which are you? Pack early? Pack the day up? Not possible. Um, can't be both. It's, it's in, that's just the rule. Uh, well, what I've learned, though, is, is in my experience is that if you have one of each of those people under one roof, it can cause a little tension. Um, in my house, I've learned that we have at least two people um, that I know so far who would definitely pack and prepare a few days in advance and then uh, don't give it away. One who, and then we have one in our family who likes to pack the day of if they can get away with it. Um, the other two in our family, they're just too young to, uh, for me to know like what their tendencies are. Um, so I'll leave it up to you. Who do you think in our house are the um, cautious conservatives and who are the thrill seekers? Who do you think? Sarah says I'm cautious conservative. All right. I'm, I'm the wild thrill seeker. And, uh, and Annette and Miles are definitely those who would pack. They would pack two weeks before if they could. Um, Last week, we told Miles that we were uh, going to go just on a little day trip to Tubac. If you've not been to Tubac, you should go. Um, but a, a little day trip to Tubac, and his wheels immediately started turning. And the first question he asked was, are we going to stay overnight in a hotel? Um, and we could tell that he was like, I need to prepare. I need to pack right now to make sure that I'm ready to go. And he definitely gets that from his mother, for sure. Um, I, on the other hand, will wait until the very last minute to pack. Um, if I can, get away with it, which actually means if Annette doesn't make me pack sooner. Um, but there's one thing I've learned about, um, and that I don't think is too far of a stretch, too, too much of an assumption, but those who like to pack well in advance typically tend to overpack and take way more. I get some head nods, okay. Uh, they pack way more than they need to. Is that a fair statement, maybe? Um, because let's say that your trip isn't until Friday. Your bags are probably open on Monday, and every single time you walk by the bag, you just put a little something in there that you think you'll need. Um, and by the time Friday comes around, it's not just one bag you have packed, it's like 12, right? Uh, and though I don't understand it, I can see some value in their thinking. Uh, because I think those who pack well in advance, they rarely forget to bring something that they need. Um, they've prepared all week. They've, you know, gone through their checklist, double-checked it, triple-checked it. Um, no detail has been missed. And if they've overpacked 
And if your plane like crashes on a deserted island, they're probably going to have plenty of clothes, plenty of toiletries, plenty of snacks. They've probably shoved some firewood and matches in there just to be safe. Um, and you'll last until, you know, you get rescued. Um, so I see some value. Uh, but us thrill seekers, um, I think we tend to pack lighter. I think we pack uh, more efficiently, only the necessities. Why, though? It's because we've run out of time, and we don't we have time to think of all those extra things. So we just throw in exactly what we need, and that's pretty much it. And chances are, when we get to our destination, we're the ones who think, well, crap, I forgot my toothbrush. Or I left my kid at home, and now they're stuck at home over Christmas defending our home from burglars, right? Um, When we've forgotten something, if we're lucky to travel with one of those early packers, they probably have something for us that we've forgotten, right? So I see the value. There's, you know, give and take. There's a good um, relationship in the difference between those two. Um, And the reason why I bring this up is because I want you to think about packing. I want you to think about things that you take with you, Um, not so much on a physical trip, but on a spiritual trip. Uh, Our series is Wisdom for Your Walk, and uh, we're going through the book of James. We're slowly walking through the book of James. Um, And James has made it clear in his writing that as followers of Jesus, all of us are on a spiritual journey. Uh, A patient walk of tested faith towards perfection. That's what he makes clear in the very first few sentences. Um, We're on a journey of becoming more like Jesus, of becoming more whole and complete children of God. And like with any journey, it's important to think think about what you bring with you, even in a spiritual journey. Right? What things will you carry on your journey and what things will you choose to leave behind? And will those things that you carry with you actually help you in your journey with Jesus? Or will they weigh you down, uh, cause you to even stumble on the path along the way, or even distract you from completing your journey with Jesus? And in the passage that we're going to focus on today in James, um, he encourages us to leave behind certain things and instead pick up others so that we effectively and efficiently make it to our destination on our walk with Jesus. All right, so the title of today's message is The Working Word. Can you just say that with me? The Working Word. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Let's ask God to continue being with us uh, and to lead us and guide us this morning. God, that is our prayer. Um, we've, we've, we've kind of been praying it. We've been declaring it this whole time, uh, even in worship. God, we've been saying we want to receive everything that you have for us. Um, We want your favor in our lives. But God, we we don't want to achieve that. We don't want to reach that in our own way, in our own strength. God, I I pray that you would lead us by your word and your word alone. God, I pray that in in this message, you'd begin to show things to us in our lives that that maybe we we should just drop, We we should leave behind. And to press forward with greater things that will get us to our destination and and help us become more like you, Jesus. So we thank you, God, for what you're going to do in this place and what you're already doing. Um, We love you. We say all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and open up our Bibles uh, to the book of James. We're going to go ahead and read our passage for this week. Um, 
And we're finally going to make it through James chapter 1 today. Uh, So we're going to read James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. Go ahead and do the work. We're going to throw scripture up on the screen, but get your Bible out, digital, analog. Uh, Maybe get something to write with so that you're ready to go. Um, But let's, let's read James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. This is what it says. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers or sisters. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Mm. That's a good, good passage, right? Uh, we've got some verses in there that are definitely Facebook and Instagram post worthy. Put them on a mug or a t-shirt. Um, some verses we've heard many times before. Uh, but my goal today is to, to really put them into context so that we get the true meaning of these verses. Some of our favorite verses probably. And so um, we have to remember that all of chapter 1, everything that we've read up until now, is just an introduction for what James wants to talk about in the rest of the letter. Uh, Most of the themes we've talked about so far, and we'll talk about today, they're going to come up again in the other four chapters. Uh, Last week, we said that we're all at the the trailhead of our walk with Jesus at the very beginning. Um, And as is typical of trailheads, there are some signs posted. Things to take note of about the trail, warnings and cautions to be aware of before we start walking. And James has given us two great warnings and cautions at the very beginning uh, for our walk. One being that all of us will face trials along the way, right? Things that will seem like they get in the way of our walk, but they're actually meant to be endured uh, because when we endure them, they make us stronger, God uses the difficulty of losing a job or our health or a relationship. He uses them to shape and refine us. And then the other warning or caution is that all of us will also face temptation in our walk with Jesus. The enemy will come and try to use our God-given desires against us to wander off the trail or to stop walking with Jesus altogether. And where trials are meant to be endured, temptation is meant to be resisted. And it's important to know the difference between a trial and a temptation. That's kind of a wrap-up of the past two weeks, right? Um, And these are important things for us to know, right? While we are on our walk with Jesus towards perfection. And in this passage we just read, James has just one more thing he wants to warn us about before we keep going, right? Or, Or it's like we've started our walk, 
Um, but there's one more sign that says last chance, right? One more sign that says take only what you absolutely need to carry before you move any further, right? Take only what you need that will actually help you in your walk and won't make it more difficult. So when you're hiking, do you really need that extra three gallons of water for your small hike, right? Or is a tent and a sleeping bag really necessary for your short day hike, right? We're probably going to have to take a refueling snack break, but uh, an ice chest, probably not, right? Those things are probably going to weigh you down. They're not going to help you in your walk with Jesus, right? But I think, not your walk with Jesus, like we don't need ice chests to walk with Jesus, but like dear your actual trail, okay? Um, but I think we can all think of, of spiritual things in our own lives that we wish we wouldn't have held on to for as long as we have, especially when we became followers of Jesus, right? Why didn't I take care of that addiction so much sooner in my life, right? Why did I allow that person to be in my life for so long? Why did I hold on to that memory or that, that hurt, that unforgiveness, rather than letting it go? I've, I've realized it's only made my walk with Jesus that much more difficult. And so James, he has this kind of thinking in mind in verses 19 through 21. Right? And in verse 19, he's saying, know this, right? Or notice, right? It's the warning sign at the beginning. Take notice. Last chance before we move any further. And then he talks about anger, anger, which some of you are like, you know what, I'm, I'm not an angry person. That's not something I struggle with. Um, I didn't think that was something I struggled with either, um, but my Enneagram number tells me differently. So I guess that's something I have to work on, right? And th- though this might seem like a very specific example, uh, James is actually making a more general statement. He's using a specific example to make a more general statement. And he says in verse 20 that anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Or human, unrighteous anger does not help you in your journey of perfection with Jesus. It doesn't lead to the righteousness of God. Well, what does it lead to then? Well, Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 verses 21 and 22, he said that if you are angry with someone, you're liable for the same judgment as if you had murdered someone. Or or in Genesis, after God rejected Cain's offering, God goes to Cain and says, hey, why are you so angry? Why are you so upset? You better keep that anger in check or it's going to lead to something really bad. And we know the story. Cain doesn't deal with his anger and he eventually murders his own brother. And the the point is, if unchecked anger doesn't lead to God's righteousness, then it leads to something. And in God the Father's eyes, and in in God the Son's eyes, it can potentially lead to murder, which is sin, right? And through this this specific example of anger, um, I think James is saying, what is that thing for you? Right? What is that root emotion or feeling in your life that might lead you away from God's righteousness and potentially into sin? So go ahead and take a moment and, and just reflect on that question. What is that for you? Right? It's not just talking about anger. But for example, what are you looking at with lustful eyes that may lead you to sin? Or what are you eyeing with envy that may lead you to to steal? What is that for you? 
And then in verse 21, James gives an invitation. He says, put it away. Put it away. Or the original Greek uses a word that means to take it off, as if it's a soiled or dirty garment that you need to get rid of. Right? Put it away. Not just anger, but all filthiness and rampant wickedness. James is saying, before you go any further on the trail, on this walk with Jesus, put the anger, put the unforgiveness, put the lust, the envy, the greed, put it all away, leave it behind, and don't take it with you. Because it's not going to help you get to where you want to go with Jesus. It's only going to make your walk more difficult. Right, but then there's a second invitation. Right, the first is to take off and leave behind what won't help you in your walk. And the second invitation is to then put on or receive what will. He says in verse 21, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And I love that God not only tells us to get rid of things in our lives, but he offers to replace it with something better so that there's not a void. That's, that's incredible, right? And again, the offer is to receive the word of God. Now, James has a really interesting way of doing things in his writing. Um, he has a way of taking two seemingly unrelated topics and then mashing them together to make a point. And so what does human anger have to do with the word of God. Well, human anger comes from the human will, right? Or at least unrighteous anger that can lead to sin isn't something that God gives us, right? It's something that comes and starts with our own desires, like we talked about last week, and we try and use that to achieve our goals, right? That's a, that's a human way of doing things, the human will thinking, not God's way. And James is saying that, yes, you can take that anger and something will happen in your life, but it's not going to lead you to where you actually want to go with Jesus. It's, it's not going to lead towards the righteousness of God. All right, so if anger or, or the human will in general won't lead to righteousness, then what will? And James's answer is the word of God. The word of God. Right, which anytime good Bible teachers answer the question, how do I know God's will for my life? What do they do usually? They point to the word of God. Right? And rightfully so, the word of God is equated to the will of God. So, so James, as you can see on the screen, he, he's kind of uh, using anger to equal human will in general. And then the word of God to equals God's will. And he's saying those can't work together. They can't work together. And so what James is trying to convey by mashing these two seemingly unrelated topics together is that human strength, human power, human will cannot lead you in God's way to perfection. Right? Only God's word, God's will can do that. Not only is James saying we need to take off and leave behind those things that, that will hinder us in our walk with Jesus. He's saying that we even need to surrender our human strength, our human will, and instead submit to the word of God, the will of God in our lives. So two things that we have to take off and put aside, and one thing that we get to receive. So if you want to make it to wholeness and perfection, which I think we all do, you can't do it through your own will and strength. You can't beat that addiction through just sheer human willpower. 
right? You can't transform yourself into a loving, kind, forgiving person in your own strength. You can't look at the world's way of doing things and think that that will get you to your destination. It won't. Only God's word, only God's will can lead you in his way to wholeness and perfection. So God's way is illuminated by his word. And I think of a verse, uh, Psalm 119, verse 105, right? It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? There's even that old school song, right? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Go ahead, Luke. And a light. I put him on the spot. My path. Amy Grant, right? She sang that. Um, And what a fitting verse for what we're talking about, right? But then when you keep reading, it's even more so fitting for what we're talking about. Verse 106, I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your what? Righteous rules, your word. 107, I am severely afflicted. Notice the intensity of those words. Give me life, O Lord, according to my own pleasures. According to, to Netflix, I just need to eat a little more. I'll feel better. No, according to your word. Accept my free will offering of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold on, or I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts, your testimonies, the stories of your people we find in your word are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. 112, incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end, right? It sounds like the prayer of someone working to surrender their will, their strength to the will and the word of God. It sounds like someone on a journey trying to reach an end, but wanting to only use the word of God to get them to their destination. And what James says in verse 21 is that when we receive the will, the word of God, it goes to work inside of us, saving our souls. The word of God goes to work, transforming us, leading us to that wholeness and perfection that we all desire. And in the process, our will, our way, our strength comes into line with God's will, God's way, God's strength. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, Is God's will, is his word at work in us? Have we surrendered our will to God's? And if so, is it currently working in us? Saving our souls, perfecting us, making us whole. And if you say yes, then how do you know? If you say yes, how do you know? What proof do you have? Because I know at times, I think that my faith um, is a little bit too abstract. It doesn't feel as concrete as I would like it to. My faith is something that I can feel internally. I think about my faith often. It's changed my view and the way I think about the world around me. But sometimes I feel like I need more tangible and concrete proof to know that God's word and will is working in my life. Am I the only one? I need more than a feeling, right? Thank you, Boston, 1970s. A lot of song references today. Okay, but again, 
Even though James is a short letter, he's very thorough. He doesn't miss any details. And in a way, in verse 22, James says, if you want proof that the word and will of God is at work in you, then don't be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. What's up, dude? (laughs) Right? Don't be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And that's your proof. Right? And if we are content with just hearing the word of God, then it makes sense that maybe our faith feels abstract and not so concrete. Right? More specifically, James says that if that's your, your way, your faith, then it's forgettable. And he goes into using this metaphor of a person who looks at themselves in the mirror, uh, but as soon as they walk away, they forget what they look like. Right? And I'll admit, um, this kind of metaphor, I've struggled to really understand it for a long time. And I think it's because it doesn't quite relate to our modern context. Every single one of us has a mirror in our home, if not more, right? Not only do we have mirrors, right? right? We see our mugs every single day, and it's our faces. We want to see our whole bodies for whatever reason, right? Um, and for better or for worse, it is hard for us to forget what we look like because not only do we have the mirrors to remind us what we look like, We also have photos in our house all over the place. We have photos of ourselves on social media and whatnot. And then cell phone designers thought it was a brilliant idea to put front-facing cameras on our phones so that we can take millions of selfies every single day. This is true, right? According to Google statistics, 93 million selfies were taken per day as far back as 2014. So since 2014, 93 million selfies have been taken a day. And that's just on Android phones. 93 million, right? And that should be scary to us. Not so much that we take 93 million photos every day, but that Google knows how many photos we're taking of ourselves every day. That's terrifying. Right? All of this to say, it's really hard for us to forget our selfies and the way we look. But they didn't have all of these things back in James's day, right? Very few people had portraits of themselves, right? Painted portraits, only the wealthy. Uh, only the wealthy had like really good mirrors. And even if you did have a mirror, it wasn't the glass kind like we see every single day. It was more like a piece of metal that was polished so that it was somewhat reflective. And at best, you saw a blurry image of yourself. So it sounds strange to us. It doesn't quite relate, but it was entirely possible for people during James's day to literally forget what they look like. And so what James is saying is that hearing the word of God is good, but don't deceive yourselves thinking that it's good enough. We're quick to forget the word of God if all we do is let it come through our ears and not outside of us. We're quick to forget the word of God. Just like James people during his day were quick to forget what they looked like because mirrors and reflective surfaces were hard to come by. And when we do that, it means that the word of God, it doesn't have a chance to actually sit and work inside of us. And though we might not understand this mirror metaphor, um, I'll make it more personal for you. How many times have you left here on a Sunday morning and quickly forgotten what Pastor Kai taught about, right? 
Or maybe it's not right after Sunday, but by the time Wednesday and Thursday rolls around for growth group, and the growth group leaders are like, what did Pastor Kai talk about? Everyone's like, I don't know. I don't remember. And that's not a judgment. That's an accusation for myself, too. I forget what I preach about. There have been people who've asked me, what did you talk about on this Sunday? I'm like, let me pull out my notes real quick and, and remember. Right? But, but the point is, merely hearing the word of God and relying on our ears and minds only to let the word of God work in us, James says, is forgettable. And so James says, if you don't want to have that problem, if you want to know that you know that God's will and word is at work in you, then don't just be hearers, be doers of the word of God. And so when you read in James that we're supposed to put aside all filthiness and wickedness, you know what? Do it, right? If you want the word, that word of truth to stick in you and work in you, then do it. All right, which sounds like duh. Right? That, that makes total sense. But how often do we not do it? Um, we, we decided to take Miles, our oldest, out of uh, his charter school and jumped into homeschooling. And I know a lot of parents are doing that right now. Um, but the, the math curriculum we chose to lead him through is called uh, Lessons for a Living Education. And I really like the title of that because it, it presents their, their principle of, of, of pedagogy um, very clearly. Right? And the, the principle they follow to help ensure that these math concepts actually stick with their kids and they actually use it in their daily lives is that they, they use these math concepts in real life scenarios. Right? It's not enough to simply write out a hundred times one plus one equals two. It's not enough. Right? And instead what they want you to do uh, when you're talking about fractions is actually bake a pie. Right? Or bake a pizza. Cut the thing in half so that you physically see that one half plus one half equals one whole, right? And it shows the kids that, you know what, math is actually delicious and fun, and and it sticks with them better. It helps them understand fractions better that way. And James's principle for ensuring that the word of God sticks with his children is the same, right? Don't just hear that we are to love our neighbors, but actually do it. Mind-blowing, right? And when we actually do the word of God, it's a sign that the word of God is working in us. And with that, it can't help but also work through us. Right? The word of God not only transforms the individual, but also the world around the individual. And he ends his introductory chapter um, giving examples of what doing the word looks like and how it has an impact on the world around him. Right? Doing the word looks like being able to control our tongues. How often has your tongue caused chaos in the world around you? And how often has it caused good? Right? Doing the word leads to orphans and widows being cared for. For example, doing the word means that we protect ourselves from being stained and tarnished by the world. And so when the word is at work in us, it can't help but work through us. And that brings us to the end of chapter one. And so what I want to do, and actually, um, Annette, can you come up and play? I forgot to ask you to do this. I want us to spend some time actually um, just reflecting on a couple questions. We, we still have questions for you to see at the end. I don't want to post them right now. Um, we'll post them at the end so you can take pictures and all that fun stuff. But I'd really love for you to just sit and reflect on some of these first. All right, so... Uh, 
whatever you need to do to enter into a, a time of receiving from God, reflecting. Uh, maybe you need to close your eyes and bow your head. Luke, maybe we, we dim the lights a little bit. But get into that space, that posture of receiving from God right now and reflecting on the words that we've gone through. And so question number one that I want you to think about and reflect on. What are you carrying on your walk with Jesus that should have been left behind? What are you carrying on your walk with Jesus that should have been left behind? We begin to make this message, the word of God, personal for you. Maybe it is anger. Maybe it is unforgiveness. Maybe you've held on to hurts for too long. But what are you carrying on your walk with Jesus that should have been left behind? And don't only think about that, but also think, how has carrying those things hindered your walk with Jesus? How has it maybe slowed you down? Not that it's about hurry, but you're not as far as you wish you were because you've held on to those things. And with that, remember the invitation that James gives. He says, you can put it all away. You can lay it to the side and not pick it up again and just leave it there. And so what I want you to do right now is I want you to receive that invitation for yourself. Take that thing, that that emotion, that feeling, that maybe it's even just sin, and take it off. Receive that invitation. And then the second part I want you to think about is what parts of your walk to perfection with Jesus, what parts have been done in your own strength and your own will rather than submitting to the will and the word of God. Have you just been trying in your own strength to to break that, that addiction or to break through maybe a mental illness that you're struggling with? And so now, receive that second invitation to receive the word of God into your own life. Today is the day that you decide, you know what? I'm going to stop striving. I'm going to stop trying to do this all on my own. And I'm going to believe that the word of God is powerful and true for my life. And instead of trying to make things happen in my anger or in my, my lying or whatever it might be, I'm going to use the word of God instead to get me to where I want to go. Make that decision for yourself. 
Maybe you're more of a, a tangible person. Grab your Bible, hold on to it right now and say, this is my guide now. This is my roadmap. This is what I'm gonna let lead me through my life. has been coming to mind, just, just thank God for it. It might not feel good or it might feel like a, a condemnation. It's not. It's an invitation to receive something better in your life. And so just thank God for that, whatever it is, right where you are. Thank him for his goodness, for his grace, his mercy. That even though we, maybe we've been Christians for a really long time and we've held on to these things, God says, you know, you can still put those things away. It's not too late. Just let gratitude and praise and blessing towards God just, just fill you right now. Thank you, God. And Lord, I just pray for my church family right now and, and ask that you would continue to do a work in them. God, continue to make the word, your word, your will, just more true and more powerful in their lives. Help them to walk according to your ways because it really is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path in any situation. And so God, we just elevate your word right now and say it is powerful. It is true for us in every situation. And we thank you, God, that you would allow us to receive that. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling to let go of things that they don't need to carry anymore. I pray open hands right now. I pray open hearts, open lives to drop those things, but to also to be able to receive the good that you have for them. Meet them right where they are. Encourage them, bless them now, God. And Lord, I pray that this for all of us, the human race, as we walk through this world and the difficulties we face from day to day, I pray that you would help us to resist the urge to walk in our own way and instead walk according to your truth, according to your word. And we thank you that it is relevant and pertinent for us today. So Lord, I just bless my church family and I say that, um, ask that you just have your way in us. Lead us and guide us in our coming and our going, God. May your favor and your blessing be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Luke, go ahead and throw up those questions. All right, just a couple more questions to add to the ones I've already asked. Again, you can just take a picture of these if you'd like. Take a screenshot if you're watching on your phone or computer or something. Um, so I already went through questions one and two, but here's question three. Uh, how do you know that the word of God is at work in you? Think of some real examples in your life. Okay, the number four, what are some things you can practically do this week to help you remember the words of God that we read in the first chapter of James? So my encouragement is still the same. Uh, focus on this passage this week. Don't feel like you have to jump ahead or anything like that. Really savor this passage, this scripture. Uh, but then go back and read all of chapter one. And think about the things that we've talked about and really apply them to your life. How can you remember the word of God for yourself um, through actions? Amen? Amen. 
Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you. Thank you.